The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening today. We're glad that you're with us. We love getting your comments by email and on Facebook and uh, spreading the word about Spirit of Recovery to the people in your recovery community, to the people in your spiritual community. We're glad that you're getting the word out, and uh, it's great to have people listening and letting us know how Spirit of Recovery is touching your heart and your life. I love broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on Unity Online Radio, and um, it's wonderful to be able to bring you wonderful guests that are uh, involved in the process of recovery themselves or who work with or write for or teach recovering people in various ways, and um, we're always bringing you guests that have lots to share, that are down to earth, that have practical experience, and that give you good ideas for ways that you can keep developing your own recovery process, if you're involved with that, and developing your own spirituality. And every week we do bring you topics that are important to the recovery community and practical information that you can use. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. We know that recovery is a big concept, and so everyone is welcome. If you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or a family member or a friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery, or if you're simply curious, interested in the process of recovery and want to learn more about it, you're welcome. We're glad you're listening, and you're welcome to participate in our discussions by calling in or by sending an email. We want you to know also that you can listen to Spirit of Recovery and all the other great programs on Unity Online Radio. Obviously, through your computer, you can listen to our uh, archived programs. You can go to unity.fm and access the Spirit of Recovery page and listen to all of our archived programs. Or you can also listen on your own mobile listening device. So there are lots of ways that you can access programming. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister, and I'm also a recovery counselor. I'm a person who has, in my circle of love and friendship, many people with the disease of addiction, and those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth, recovery, and spiritual development many years ago. And ever since then, my walk has been an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. That keeps me growing, and it keeps my life transforming. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share these ideas with you, to bring you wonderful guests, and to hear what's happening in your life and your recovery. Our topic today is hungering for spirit. And my guest is DJ Lowell. DJ Lowell is a chaplain and a treatment center in CEDAR, which is the Center for Dependency, Addiction, and Rehabilitation at the University of Colorado Hospital. And D. Joe has been working in the addictions field for over 25 years. She's a Presbyterian minister, 
ordained. She has served um, as a parish minister and as a chaplain in various settings. She's also been the director for an outpatient substance abuse treatment program. She's been a family program director for families of people who are in the recovery process and families that are recovering themselves. And she's also been a primary addictions counselor. She's been uh, serving as a chaplain now in a treatment setting for many years, and she brings a very unique set of skills to the patients. She's able to work with patients that have a wide range of belief systems, religious and non-religious, and she's there to walk that recovery walk to support patients on their recovery journey as they find their spirituality. So, DJ, we're uh, welcome today. We're glad you're with us here on the Spirit of Recovery. Thank you. I'm delighted to be part of your program today. Great. You have a wonderful um, article that you wrote in the um, Addictions Professional magazine recently called Musings of a Chaplain. And you tell a story about what happened when you first got involved with addictions uh, treatment as a chaplain and you heard your first, first fifth step, and that's the step where right. people share uh, what their, their inventory or about their life. So you said you hoped that it would hurry up and be over. <laughs> yes. <happened? laughs> well, like I said in the article, I literally had been on the job for about an hour. I knew nothing about addictions. Um, both from a personal perspective, it was a void in my life. So um, it was a foreign land, so to speak. I professionally had not had very much interaction with alcoholics or addicts. So I was very naive about the population, the disease of addiction, let alone treatment. All I knew was that I wanted to do chaplaincy work and I got offered a job and said yes without even thinking. So the very first day, I find myself on the job. They're very busy, and I was just asked to go in and complete a fifth step with a patient. Didn't even know what a fifth step was. I was not familiar with the 12 steps. So I asked and was told, just sit and listen, and you really don't have to do anything. And then this uh, delightful young man from inner city New York started telling me, um, sharing his fourth step, and I just basically was stunned with what I was hearing. I was definitely unprepared. Talk about getting confronted with what you don't know and fear around what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> it was so real. And he proceeded to tell me um, a rather uh, frightening uh, story tied to his um, life and as it unfolded uh, I just got more and more nervous about this uh, leap of faith I had taken in terms of coming into this position um, without any training and literally not knowing what I was doing and that was what was behind the couldn't wait till it was over because I just didn't know what to say, how to even respond in any way, what was appropriate or inappropriate, and talk about being lost. It was one of the most uncomfortable experiences in my entire life. <laughs> so what happened to after that in, in terms of your understanding of how to support uh, people who were coming out of addiction in their spiritual walk? Well, it was the beginning of a very long journey um, in terms of just getting educated around what addiction is, getting some training, um, enmeshing myself in the world of treatment and the whole challenge that faces people who have this disease in terms of turning their life around and wanting to live it differently. And I must say that I think for that whole first um, year that I worked in that facility, I never felt comfortable because I really didn't get it. Uh, and the piece that was missing for me in retrospect, and I think was the spiritual piece, uh, surprisingly enough. The 
impact or the importance of the spiritual peace had never been explained. Uh, and it wasn't even at that point by, the, by my peers or the person who was supervising and training me. That didn't come, the, the insights along, how, along the, the path of um, how important it is to focus on the spiritual and be constantly growing and becoming healthier and integrating that throughout everything in life. Um, it wasn't until I started to get that much later in life that I got excited about coming back into doing chaplaincy work again in a residential treatment setting. So it, in a sense, it almost scared me off a little bit because of my own inaptitude uh, or ineptitude. And uh, it wasn't until I had matured a little and got a lot more training, a lot more experience, that I began to appreciate the importance of this whole spiritual journey, let alone have a sense of what I was doing in the role and function of a chaplain in a treatment program. So it was a slow process of evolution over 20 years of my own spiritual path uh, my own spiritual walk, if you will, of um, learning about what the subject in, in, of spirituality means to me, and then being able to work with people in an effective way. And that I don't think I was did very good at <laughs> years ago when I first stepped into the unknown of um, the field of addiction. Uh, and one of the things I had hoped by coming back into this uh, work as a chaplain specifically was um, a little bit of grace, if you will, to do it differently. And um, it's been a blessing. That's the easiest thing to say about it. How do you approach uh, recovering people now that's different than when you first started? Well, there's no fear. That's probably the most important difference. Um, it's so common when we don't understand something to come from a place of fear. Um, let that be our framework for relating to others. And that's totally gone. I have come to love the people I work with. And it's been a nonstop opportunity for growing um, I learn from them every single day that I come to work. There is not a group of people that I've ever come across that is so inspiring. Um, and I think that stems solely from their hunger for uh, something better than what they've given themselves in life or had in life up to the point of wanting to get into recovery. And it's an uplifting experience, and there's, so there's no fear anymore. And I think that's been the biggest difference um, in realizing that they're just like all of us. <laughs> right. There is no them. There's no them. There's no, you know, us. It's, it's just everyone's a human being. And once I got that piece... It was easy to breathe, and um, the process just opened up to growth and appreciation and gratitude and uh, adventure of learning. I know you say that it's been a, a process over 20 years, of, of course, of making that change. Are there some points that stand out for you about when you did be, uh, have a significant sense, oh, I've lost some fear, or oh, I'm inspired, or oh, I understand people with addiction are people just like me. We're all human. Yes, and it was, interestingly enough, um, over about a nine-year period of time when I was working with the Colorado Physician Health Program as their director of clinical services. And in that um, position, we worked... Um, pretty much with, um, solely with physicians and uh, residents, um, medical students and physician assistants. Who were, in who were getting in recovery, right? People well, um, a good number of them were, but it was broader than that. So the 
people I was working with, I had the experience of a of a a huge spectrum of mental health issues, uh, life issues, addiction, everything thrown in there, stress. And what that work gave me was a clear picture of the similarities that exist in our own journeys through life and how there really is no difference. We experience the same things. The details, of course, can be different. But when you get to the heart of the matter, there's very simple uh, elements of this spiritual journey that we share in common with everyone. And that's the piece that began to uh, take root and gave rise to the desire to move back into doing uh, the chaplaincy work, um, having been baptized, so to speak, in knowledge and new experience and new insight and a new level of acceptance of my own um, imperfections and... um, Pretty healthy humility. Mm-hmm. That's a part of it, isn't it? That uh, that as you brought that up earlier, is that's really in one's own spiritual growth that allows us to be of any use to other people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we don't do that work, then um, it, it uh, we're not in a position to really, I think, give of our gifts. Uh, speaking as someone in in the ministry end of life. Right. Is there a significant shift for you personally, um, aside from the work that you did with and that you do with clients? What's what's your spirituality? What shift? What has shifted for you over these years that's deepened that? Well, I think one of the most gratifying pieces is. Coming to work um, five days a week and knowing that the environment is all about growth and openness and journey. Um, It's all about learning to embrace the day with whatever newness awaits. And... (laughs) I don't know that a lot of workplaces give you that kind of opportunity. So it's almost a sense of if I don't continue my spiritual growth, my spiritual journey, if I don't continue looking at myself, working the steps just like recovering people do, then I'm robbing myself of an enriched experience and having had the, the taste of that delight, I'm not willing to bypass it anymore. And I think that's one of been been one of the largest transitions that I've gone through. I actually get excited when I'm on my way to work. And then out of the genuineness of what goes on in this environment, I find that I don't turn it off when I leave work. So there has been uh, an increased sense of wholeness in my whole life as a result of this journey and this work so that my uh, personal life is, I don't know how it could get much better. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's all because of the opportunity of working in this environment with folks struggling with this absolutely forward disease. That's fabulous. Um, most people would say, oh, no, you work in a treatment center with all those addicts. They don't get it, I get do they? That. Yeah. I get No, they don't get it. And I get that all the time when, it, when people ask me what I do. Um, I just don't say I'm a, I'm a minister, I'm a chaplain. I make a point of telling them where I work. And they say things like, ooh, how can you do that? Or, wow, that must be hard. And it's just exactly the opposite. That's right. We've got to go on break right now, but uh, thank you. Our our topic is Hungering for Spirit. My guest is DJ Lowell, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. 
If you have been served by this programming, we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Reverend Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors, have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within an infinite field of possibilities to discover who have you come here to be. To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. Air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand. A little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today, and if you're just joining us, our topic is Hungering for Spirit, and my guest is D. Joe Lowell. D. Joe is a chaplain at the Cedar uh, Treatment Center, the Center for Dependency, Addiction, and Rehabilitation at the University of Colorado Hospital. She's a Presbyterian minister with 25 years' experience in addiction treatment. She's also an addiction counselor and um, has rich experience in walking with recovering people on their spiritual journey. But before Dijo and I get back to our conversation, I invite you to uh, join me in a very brief moment to relax, to open up to the presence of your higher power in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. I let my hunger for spirit draw me into new growth. I let my hunger for spirit draw me into new growth. Thank you for joining me in the Serenity Minute. 
And I hope that that has given you just even a brief moment to take a breath, to relax, and be more in conscious contact with your higher power. And so now we're back to our conversation with my guest, DJ Lowell, and our topic, Hungering for Spirit. And DJ, before the break, you were telling us about uh, how much you love working um, at a treatment center and how inspired you are by people in recovery, people that are recovering from the disease of addiction, and um, how sometimes uh, other folks don't understand why that would be a wonderful thing to do. They think it would be a real downer, but it, it's really a, a wonderful, inspiring thing <laughs> to work with recovery. I think it is. Yeah, and you, you were talking about your first job. Uh, at a treatment center. What happened? Yeah. Well, I had been in the parish ministry. I was in the parish ministry at the time, and I got a call with an offer to go work as a chaplain uh, at a residential treatment program uh, close to where I was living at the time. And it was a friend from uh, school, seminary, who had made the call and knew that I had an interest in doing chaplaincy work, and I felt that that it was my call overall, but I had wanted to have a parish experience before going into chaplaincy. And when I was doing my uh, clinical pastoral education um, programs that I did, I was in a general hospital and a psychiatric hospital. And I knew that um, I wanted to be in a hospital of some kind, preferably um, psychiatric. And when I got this call, just basically saying the job was mine if I wanted it, I said yes. And as soon as I hung up the phone, the image, the mental image that came into my (laughs) forefront of my mind was um, one of um, question whether or not I could tolerate working in this environment with these kind of people. And... I imagined being in the center. I'd never been in a treatment center, so I had no sense of what it looked like, but I kind of guessed it looked like a nursing home. And people were going to be stumbling around, throwing up, not very pleasant to be around, uh, not making sense, obnoxious. And what I had was what I've discovered over time, very typical... Uh, stereotype of what alcoholics and addicts are like. So the first day on the job, it was a delightful surprise to find out, oh, these are just regular people. And they had actually gone through detox, and they were fun to be around with. They were interesting. Their stories were amazing. Their hurts and their wounds were, were heartbreaking. And I just knew I was at home. It just felt like such a fit. But I'll never forget that image in my head, of that, that visual image that was so steeped in stereotypes. And I think still in our, in our society, the stereotypes that um, addicts and alcoholics um, have to deal with are justified, but they're just unfair because it's not who they are. You know, the behaviors that they uh, demonstrate when they're under the influence of the drug of choice isn't anything close to who they are. And I think that people don't have that insight and they get scared. Right. Yeah, it's a scary... It's hard to shed, is... it's hard to shed the stereotype. How do you see uh, people that are in recovery dealing with that uh, when they do encounter those kind of stereotypes? I think it, um, in a sense, is, is very painful for them to experience that because one thing that I have heard in Uh, witnessed over and over is they know that they aren't being who they are. And that's, to me, is at the crux of this whole spiritual issue, that spiritual, that, that beautiful core self just begins to disappear through the, um, uh, dynamics of the addictive process. 
and when they know you're when you live knowing that you're you're not who you are that in and itself is such a huge amount of spiritual angst to drag around with you when it comes from the outside of anyone, whether it comes from anyone that knows you or just someone who doesn't know you, it even hurts more if it gets thrown at you unfairly. And then the unfair comes out of a lack of understanding from the general population. That's a, a pretty rambling answer <laughs> to your question. No. But no. it hurts. It hurts. Mm-hmm. I think it really hurts. Sure. That and what you're saying there about that of uh, the recovery process is sur- so much a spiritual process. What do you see unfolding for people when they begin to reclaim that authentic self, that spiritual self? What process do they go through or what's happening with them or to them? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the sense of hope that begins to appear. Uh, that they begin to sense deep within themselves, even though they may not have any way of visualizing what that might look like in real life. Um, The connection to their feelings, to that simple piece of, of humanity called feelings, is tremendously powerful for them in that early recovery. And then I think the most amazing piece to watch is when they actually open themselves up to believing that there's nothing wrong with them, that they're acceptable, lovable, worthwhile human beings. That is what is exciting to see because once they get the light turned on to that truth, um, they have a place to start taking root, so to speak, and growing and um, if they can work on uh, empowering that belief to be alive in their behaviors, then they, their life experience very quickly becomes much more positive than it's ever been. So I'm a big believer in affirmation of individual worth, um, grace. I'm a big believer in... Um, positive reinforcement and uh, recovery management in terms of building on strength. The one thing that I find not helpful is concentration, concentration, and anything critical. Um, and when I see that in a in a treatment setting. Uh, I cringe because I think that that is um, a very abusive approach. Right. It's like people need that sense of connection to their constructive self rather than getting beaten down again. Right. And it's a piece of us that I think exists regardless of what happens to us in our lives at some level. And when we begin to reconnect to that Uh, genuine self that we all were when we were much smaller, Um, amazing things, miraculous things begin to happen. And if we can tolerate long enough the discomfort that that brings with it to where we have permission to stick with it long enough for it to be less uncomfortable and more comfortable, then that's when the journeys take off and the changes just are um, amazing to watch. And I think that's what's so fulfilling in this work is, yes, there's heartache. It doesn't happen for everyone. People die from this disease. But every time someone um, has a smile on their face and can honestly say life is good, then you know that... um, Something's working well in the universe. How do you get started with a client when they're brand new in treatment and they are so distanced from that spiritual connection? Mm -hmm. What do you do to to facilitate or support them starting out? 
Well, I meet with every client individually um, for purposes of completing a spiritual assessment. Now, what I don't do is do that right away. I won't uh, typically meet with someone until they've been here at least a week so that they have gotten through the bulk of a detox. Um, They're feeling physically a little better. And I explain to them what what I'm wanting to get out of our time together. And um, basically tell them I, I want to get to know who they are. And it's interesting because they come into my office not nervous. Um, the patient peer community um, talks about this process, so they all have had a heads up. And they're not nervous and they're not scared. They do know that it's required. So even if someone is atheist and they have absolutely no inclination to speak with a chaplain, they're very gently um, shown my office when it's time. (laughs) And inevitably, it turns out to be a positive experience. And my goal is in that first interaction is to develop a relationship based on the um, uh, principles that I noted in my article of respect and acceptance and um, being present in such a way that they feel heard and uh, acknowledged uh, for who they are as opposed to who they aren't. in, 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 in the time that we spend together, which is anywhere from an hour to sometimes an hour and a half, it's gone a little longer, but rarely does it go over an hour, um, they've experienced, hopefully, um, somewhere, a place where they feel safe, a place where they can talk about the things that they're scared to talk about, where they can take the risk of reaching out, uh, where they feel heard where they feel no judgment. Um, And that's my whole goal in that initial relationship uh, time. Uh, And in the process, I get the information I need to do the clinical piece uh, in terms of um, a more formal spiritual assessment. Right. Yeah, those keys are the, as you have written, the respect, acceptance, and presence What's it mean to be present with somebody as opposed to interviewing them? I think it's just a matter of listening. And I I used to have a questionnaire that I would have them fill out, and I would go over the questionnaire, and then I would make sure that I covered all the different relevant areas that you would find in any typical mental health type Assessment, And I, what I realized was all of that stuff's already in the chart. That information is just being repeated by me, and I, it just seemed unhelpful. So because of um, one resident that I had working with me at one point, I changed how I was doing everything based on his inability to follow my directions. <laughs> the nerve of him! <laughs> Here I have a Buddhist uh, student uh, who taught me more about the spiritual peace than anyone ever had in uh, one one appointment. (laughs) And from that, I learned that if I truly practice that that pastoral presence of just recognizing the privilege it is to sit and spend time with someone and have them share heartfelt uh, issues and struggles and hopes and guilt and their shame and just basically hold it till they can reach out and take it back. That's such an honor. And in the process of letting them talk and not asking so many pre-planned questions, but but following wherever they go in their sharing and asking questions relevant to what they're giving me, what I've discovered is I come up by the time our time is over with a very clear sense of who this precious person is that's sitting with me or that I'm sitting with. 
And I have a sense, because of the information they gave me, of um, what their, their not only religious history and beliefs are, but their secular beliefs, the ones that form their behaviors uh, from such an early age. I have a sense of um, their fears. Uh, they give me all this information, and part of it is they don't know they're giving it to me, but in listening and being present, not wandering um, in my mind off into what am I going to ask next or what should I be asking next or did I get this or, oh, I've got to make sure I cover this aspect. Just sitting there and being totally as much as possible in that moment. Um, the richness is beyond words. It really is all about relationship, isn't it? Isn't it all? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's so simple. And we've yeah. turned it into such a complicated thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, it is all about relationship. That's something else. Well, we're going yeah. to go on break right now, but we'll be back and uh, talk some more about that hungering for spirit and how it is filled as we relate to one another and, as you've said so beautifully, honor that presence and that dear one in each other. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Have you ever noticed that life is filled with amazing people? People who are passionate about being alive and fully engaged and living on purpose and with intention. Hi, I'm Jamie Sanders, host of Spirituality Today here on Unity Online Radio. Each week, we bring you an hour of inspiration and motivation to empower you to be the best you you can be. Listen in and open up as we present some of the most dynamic teachers, authors, musicians, and celebrities that are living the life extraordinaire. Spirituality Today, every Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, where life is good, and so are you. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is Hungering for Spirit, and my guest is Dejo Lowell. Dejo is a chaplain at the Cedar Treatment Center, the Center for Dependency, Addiction, and Rehabilitation at the University of Colorado Hospital. Dejo is a Presbyterian minister with over 25 years of experience in addiction treatment as a chaplain and also as an addictions counselor. She's got lots of rich experience that she brings to the companioning that she uh, has as she walks with recovering people that are growing spiritually. So, uh, Dejo, thank you so much for what you're bringing us here about the importance of relationship. And you were talking about, uh, again, about that student that you'd had in the uh, CPE program, which is a training program for ministers that want to be chaplains. And this one who, the Buddhist uh, student there who brought such a rich picture of a client and changed your whole way of doing things. Yes, he did. Like I was, um, during the break I was uh, sharing with you, I had the questionnaire that they filled out and I had a format to cover all the areas um, that would typically be found in any kind of clinical assessment and with an emphasis on the spiritual piece or the religious piece, so to say. Um, 
And I had given him specific directions on how to write his assessment up, and what I got was totally uh, the opposite. There was no format. Uh, it was not as long as I had expected it to be, and yet ha not having set in on that session with that patient from how he described the uh, patient on that piece of paper, I felt as though I had been there the whole time and I knew the essence of who this person was. And it was so moving that um, I just threw everything out the window that I was doing and began to trust uh, the spirit of the work that um, I, w I do uh, to trust the presence of the, that higher power, be it God or whatever, and to really rely on my, uh, cl not clinical skills so much as my pastoral skills of presence and listening and uh, that sense of holding and accepting. And it's made a huge difference in the tenor of the work um, that comes with uh, from the, my time with the patients, and, and I, one of the humor humorous sides of that whole experience. This was a young whippersnapper of all the twenty four years old, <laughs> and it was another lesson of there's so much to learn from everyone, and if we can be open to that, then who knows what we can do in terms of our own spiritual journey, and where it will take us. So that one uh, young man uh, made a huge difference, not in just my life, but in all the lives that um, come into my office. Uh, and it's been a much more gratifying, positive, and growth-affirming experience for the patients as a result of that change. You believe that uh, spirituality and religion are different. How does that yes, play do. out in the work you do with your clients? Well... The way I differentiate them is the spiritual is the internal um, essence of who we are. It's, it's that piece of us that uh, we are just born as. Um, it is what um, spiritual health is about, what we do internally uh, out of our belief systems, out of what's important in our lives, in all the areas of balancing life, being connected all the way from ourselves to our higher power or God or others, to purpose and meaning and, and where do we find enough passion to stay invested in life. So those are the aspects of the spiritual for, in my way of thinking, whereas the religious is the more external um, a belief system that comes out of a, a specific faith story. And it, 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 I do, I work with the patients in differentiating this because alcoholics and addicts typically are not happy with their religious beliefs if that is part of their life because in the process of addiction taking over more and more of control in their life, God has been shut out God has not been present, has not answered their prayers. There's this sense of being abandoned. So there's um, almost a built-in resistance to believe and rely on that, even though they really want to. So by separating the two, I give them something that's non-threatening and totally within their control to mold and understand now, they can add the religious in, and they do. Most I would love to do research on um, what people identify as in terms of religious beliefs when they come into treatment. Um, and then, you know, what, where do they wind up? And because I think most of them wind up going back to what they know from their childhood, what has been their experience. Not, every, not everyone, but I think the majority do. So I work with them to, d to distinguish the difference between the two. And the spiritual is their responsibility, 100%. And that I believe that without the spiritual peace being as healthy as possible, recovery is impossible to maintain.
because you don't have the resources for balancing and managing. Um, you don't have the investment for changing behaviors. Religion then becomes um, icing on the cake, if you will, um, another set of uh, tools and resources uh, that can begin to uh, function, whereas in the active life of addiction, there's no place for them to function. So they're basically paralyzed. Um, and they're just something that they don't let go of. They hold on to, and it becomes a source of frustration and um, negative things as opposed to positive and helpful. Mm-hmm. You've I don't been know if that makes a, much a, sense. Sure, yeah. You've been a parish minister as well as doing the chaplaincy. How are yeah. those different for you as a minister? What do they ask from you? What, what do you see happening with people? I think one of the major differences uh, between the parish and chaplaincy is, in my experience, there was a certain ability to to remain um, removed from uh, full involvement in you in my parishioners' lives um, because there there were too many to do it equitably and it didn't feel is safe to go there. Um, That's different in chaplaincy. I find myself right there jumping in. Nothing's off limits. Um, It's it's a little different uh, in this setting. There's no groundwork that has to be done, basically, as opposed to the parish setting where I think it's the, it's it's more challenging how to dance the uh to the music of the congregation their culture their history and to bring the relevancy of the message of the good news into that setting um and the other piece I was young to the young enough that I hadn't really experienced my own spiritual journey into a different level of maturity. So I think that that I did my parish work with some fear of that um, ability to be very genuine with folks. And in this setting, I can't do my work without that. I have to go there. I have to be there in order to be effective. Right. If you, you can't knew, con you can't con a, a, an alcoholic or a drug addict. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they know if you're real or not. Mm-hmm. That's right. And what's what is at stake for them is so important. If if they're really invested in recovery, they don't want to waste their time with you if you don't want to be real. That's right. That is the gift of addiction. Is is that incredible gift of authenticity and understanding? Yes. Uh, life in a way that there's no other way you could possibly understand it. It's a, an incredible right. gift. Incredible. And I think that comes from the extreme opposite that, they, that they've been living uh, out of. Everything is, is hidden. Everything is um, uh, fake. Mm-hmm. Everything is anesthetized. Everything is uh, colored mm-hmm. in a different way. So... I think that you, you, you say it very clearly. It's that sense of authenticity. Mm-hmm. If you uh, knew uh, now what you know from working uh, with addiction and, and companioning recovering people, would there be any difference in what you would bring to a church setting? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it would be... Uh, starting at the top of the mountain with the entire view that you have at your command and then taking it down to the bottom of the mountain <laughs> mm-hmm. and sharing it. It, it, it. It's almost like learning to read so that you can finally read the stories and then tell them. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I almost, in a sense, I felt like I had put the 
cart before the horse. But I didn't know that. You know, we do what we do and we learn and grow from it or not. And that's one of the insights that I have gotten out of my journey. Mm-hmm. Is that rock bottom of your own spiritual maturity and your own authenticity? That presence, right. back to the presence and the relationship. Right. That makes a difference. Yeah. If, if, if I can't be present with myself, I certainly can't do it with anyone else. Mm-hmm. DJ, thank you so much. Our time is unfortunately up. Um, I appreciate your, being, your presence with us here today uh, on Spirit of Recovery. You have given us a great gift, and I know that you are a blessing uh, to those clients that you work with and that you touch their lives in amazing ways. So thank you for the work you do, and thanks for being thank you. our guest here today. I've, re- I've really enjoyed this. Thank you for inviting me, Anna. Great. Well, many blessings. And And to to you. Thank you. And to our listeners, uh, have a wonderful week and be back with us next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM. 
the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.